3: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: See website for details. Go Dodgers, go. Way to save the season to throw fire. And down. And blast out at the goal line by San Diego. Oh. No. Tom Wilson. On
3: the left side. The side, side. history book. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to After Hours. Sorry for that delay. Um, Not really sure what happened. We were having some technical issues with our mics, uh, but we appreciate you guys being patient with us then and also as we postpone so I could watch Grace play softball this evening. But welcome. We're happy to have you. And it is time to break down the Chargers-Lions game. So uh, I'm not really sure, Craig, if you've thought about how you want to start. Uh, where do you think the best starting point is
0: okay so let's start off with the positives right because there were plenty um at least on the offensive side of the ball uh so we had uh i guess we do want to call it a vintage top level justin herbert sighting uh towards the second quarter and into the second half so that was great to see uh, after the last few weeks, I know that he's kind of been in question, and this game also didn't start off so hot. <clears throat> he looked really, really tentative, and to give the offensive line credit, they held up pretty well today. They didn't allow any sacks at all, so also something to be pretty proud of. And, I mean, he, he dealt throughout the game. He kept the Chargers in the game in uh, what ended up being a high-scoring shootout. Um, I think uh, was that good. Glover, did he uh, predict that in you guys' walkthrough? I think he said it was going to be one. Yeah, so he called it. That's exactly what it turned into. And, um, you know, Herbert was game for it. And thank God for Keenan Allen because without him, I don't know where this team would be. And the two of them together basically kept the uh, charges afloat. So it's just good to see Herbert perform to the level that we knew that he could. The start again was a little rocky, as I mentioned before. But definitely something to hold on to. Probably going to need. Much, much more of that if the Chargers hope to make the playoffs. But for tonight, he uh, did a more than quality job.
3: Yeah, Herbert was great. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, He was fantastic today. There were some issues. I thought there was some reason for concern early in the game. You mentioned the first quarter, quarter plus, he wasn't very good. Um, he was struggling with some interior pressure. Guys weren't getting open. Uh, he was holding the ball quite a bit, wasn't using his legs to extend plays, and just didn't look very confident in any anything that was going on. Um, and there was even a drive. I think it was early second quarter. I, I, they were either down 10-3 or 17-3 at that point, right after his turnover, his interception, where – they ran the ball on first and second down for next to nothing. <laughs> and my immediate takeaway was, oh, shit. Yeah. They don't, they don't trust him today. This is going to get ugly fast. Um, but to his credit, he turned it around. I thought something that kind of jump-started him was there was a play where it looked like he was going to get sacked. And he used his legs to not just get out of the pocket, but pick up a first down. And even Tony Romo said something to the effect of like, that's something he needs to do more of. He's got to use his legs and his coaches have talked to him about that. And that kind of seemed to get him going and get him comfortable. And he found a rhythm passing and everything started clicking. They ran the ball better at times, um, late in the game, they were getting chunk plays in the passing game. And he Herbert was just on for the better part of three quarters today. Um, off schedule, on schedule, under pressure, clean pocket. It didn't matter. He was great. And like like you said, Craig, the pass protection was really good for the most part. He was taking some hits early, but they see, really seemed to kind of sack up and, and elevate their level of play um, after about the first quarter.
0: Yeah, I mean – as far as what he put into the game, I'm not sure whether it was, you know, that initial scramble that kind of got the juices flowing for him or what, but it's like something just went off, something clicked. Um, he pretty much knew the game was probably going to have to be on or on his shoulders offensively. I mean, it's no different than many other weeks, but it became really uh, evident i'm sure to him early on There was probably going to have to be uh every time i touch this ball i'm going to have to look to score points it's not just going to be enough to move the ball and maybe into just field goal range and depend on field goals um, i believe at one point the Chargers scored on five consecutive drives they scored touchdowns and they still lost the game by three points which is kind of crazy to say out loud when you think about it from that level of uh efficiency on the offensive side of the ball but i mean in addition to herbert I don't know what else we can say about Keenan Allen other than he may be outside of Justin Herbert, the lifeblood of this team. Uh at one point, you probably could say that about Austin Eckler, but I think he's taking a back seat there, probably the number two option in regards to the offense where Herbert's distributing the ball. Uh, but Keenan is just all around excellent. And I'm I'm willing to say right now that right now wherever you want to put him, you can put your list out there as far as the top route runners of all time goes however you want to mention them he's got to be somewhere in that top 10. and what makes it even more tremendous is the fact that he does it without having the athletic acumen that some of these other guys have like some of the top wide receivers in the league right now they can just win off of pure athleticism keenan can't match them there but what he can do is beat you with technique and nuance that uh post route that he won on that's not a design route the little extra that he gave on that in and out before he makes his break at the top of his route. That's not how that route's designed to be run. That's just, he added, he added a little bit of his own flavor to it to get open. That's what created that separation. And you don't see guys setting up DBs that way, but he does it consistently. He's got these little hitches to his route that he and Herbert understand perfectly. They're completely in sync there. Herbert knows exactly when to let the ball go, not to let it go too early. To kind of let Keenan do his thing at the top of his routes. I'm sure he maybe even extends them before his breaks a little bit more than you should. I mean, typically, if you're looking at a post, depending on where the sticks are, or what the goal of the actual route is as opposed to breaking it off at 10 and going into his post, he might take an extra two yards to give you a little in and out hesitation and then break into it to get in, uh, some more additional space to get the ball to him. But Outside of that, whether it's working the insides, the outsides, um, setting guys up for short to long plays, just kind of with the level of route running that he has. It's just it's something to behold. And I text you guys in the group chat that they'd be screwed if he gets hurt. And when you know it, maybe about 10, 15 minutes later, he goes out. So I almost thought I jinxed it for a bit. But this team needs Keenan Allen in the worst way. And uh, I will commend Justin Herbert for what he did while Keenan was out. He was able to find Jalen Guyton, which was great, even though, you know, it's not the way that we want to see Jalen Guyton be utilized. But ultimately, I think you have to give credit what credit is due on the offensive side of the ball. This game came down to Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, and it felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win. Unfortunately, the Chargers just ran out of time.
3: Yeah, you know, I think um, Kellen Moore was taking a lot of heat early in the game in our discord um, about the play calling and how the offense was performing. And I think rightfully so early in the game, but it seemed like they figured some things out with the passing offense today. Uh, You know, they weren't trying to throw the ball to the perimeter as much. Uh, It seemed like they were really working those crossers, the slants and the digs trying to find the middle of the field behind the linebackers. And they had a lot of success doing that. In my opinion, Uh, it's what got QJ going for a stretch in the game. We saw them hit Guyton a handful of times. <clears throat> Eckler was effective in the passing game. Keenan was getting huge chunk plays. And they just, it seemed like they just kind of hopefully found an identity in the passing game because it's really felt kind of disjointed and disorganized for most of the season. And to see them just attacking the middle of the field, giving Herbert time, attacking the middle of the field, running those crossers and getting. Yards after catch, catch opportunities, it was just really good to see because it's not something they've done consistently. And Detroit's got a pretty good defense. So to be able to put up 38 on them like that, I think, was huge for this offense. It says a lot about them. We'll get to the defense later, but it says a lot about the offense.
0: Yeah, I'm actually extremely thankful for the fact that Keller Moore realized, and I'm sure he knows this, it's not like it's been static throughout the season, but they're, they moved Keenan around a bunch today. Um, And it's what lended to them being able to move the ball a little bit more down the field, more consistently. Uh, They weren't allowing the Lions to kind of key in on him in any real given point of the field. They used him in a short and immediate portion of the field. Um, The Chargers don't really have a deep option to speak of right now, but they kind of took what the defense was willing to give them, but also setting up Keenan in situations where he could get the ball in his hands and make something happen after the catch, which he's also very, very good at. So, I know that like you mentioned kelly moore has taken some heat but today i think with regard to the passing game he actually did a very very good job considering that you know the running game had his moments here and there but it's still not anything consistent nor are they able to run the ball downhill in a power game as they said they were going to do this year uh so thinking about all the things that Moore has to work around because what their base is or what they planned on being isn't working says a lot because you generated near 40 points essentially being one dimensional today and only really having one true offensive threat, um, in Keenan Allen, uh, Eckler was very much so limited. Doesn't look like the Eckler of old. I'm not saying anything about him, you know, falling off. I'm not ready to say that at all. Um, I just don't think they're utilizing, I've said this a bunch of times, their guys most effectively right now. And, I still have no idea what's going on with Isaiah Spiller. We may not even get to that at this point, but they're not even using Joshua Kelly as they should in the power game. So you're activating two running backs. You're probably using Eckler a little bit too much between the tackles. And also would love to see a bit more usage with Eckler and Kelly on the field at the same time. Uh, Make the defense respect the option of either having to run or pass. And I know that with Kelly on the field, you're not necessarily afraid of him getting open uh, on the field for uh, receptions, you're looking at him as more of that downhill runner. But again, give Kellen more credit. He got creative with Keenan, and it's what kept the Charges in the game. And uh, you know, hopefully, moving forward, he can find uh, a few more options with dual running backs because. Keenan can't be the end-all be-all in the offense. Gerald Everett went out again today, so that's another offensive weapon, specifically a yak guy that you don't have now. Not sure how long he's going to be out. Hopefully he's back next week. But – there are going to have to be more options and Kellen's going to have to get a bit more creative because not every team is going to allow Keenan to just run wild and free like that. Even if you're moving him around, they're going to key on him and they're probably going to find a way to limit some of those uh, bigger plays that he made such as today. So Kellen's got his work cut out for him from the rest of the season if they can't get the running game established or another receiving option going.
3: Yeah, you know, I I thought Eckler looked pretty good at times today. Um, He doesn't look as explosive as he has in the past, but he was great on that screen pass that set up, I think the first score. Um, And he had some pretty good runs where he kind of hid behind the offensive line and found a small hole and slipped through (coughs) four or five yards. And like I said, there's a stretch there where I think in the fourth quarter, he had run the ball 16 times for 64 yards. And if they're averaging four yards or more on the ground behind this offensive line, the way it's been performing in the running game, That to me is success because that's keeping balance and that's giving them an opportunity to not be predictable. So there were some times there where I thought Eckler looked pretty good. I think the concern that I have is they're just soft up front. Um, They talk a lot about winning the line of scrimmage and powering, you know, power running game downhill. It's what they do best, but it's not who they want to be. And they just can't run the ball. I mean, if it wasn't for a, a one-yard pass to QJ on third or fourth down, they would have been stopped on the goal line by the Lions in the fourth quarter, and that that game looks totally different. So, um, you'd like to see them be able to run the ball more in you know third and short, fourth and short. It's just not who they are. Uh, but they were having some success on first and second down, and Eckler looked pretty good at times. So I, I'm not sure I would say he doesn't. I mean, he's not the explosive monster that he was for the last few years, but he's also pushing 30, Um, but he's still been pretty productive at times. They just, they don't know who they want to be on the ground, or at least who they want to be on the ground does not match the personnel they have is probably the better way to put it.
0: Yeah. All fair. And I think a lot of some of what limits Eckler currently isn't necessarily the fact that he doesn't say have like the gas that he used to. They're just limited on offensive options. So the field isn't as open for him as it's been in the past. You're down Mike Williams, you're down uh, Josh Palmer. So right now, your primary offensive weapons are going to be Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. So defenses don't have a whole lot to select from. And uh, someone's probably going to get the short end of the stick. And it's kind of working to uh, Austin Eckler's detriment, which is why I would love to see them get more of, well, I'm going to have to say Josh Kelly and Eckler on the field at the same time, because apparently Isaiah Spill is just not an option.
3: So I'm seeing something in the chat that I wanted to bring up because I, I must have missed this. Um, and apparently, Kellen Moore told Q, told Romo that QJ
0: can't read the playbook. Did you catch that? Okay, so I think the comment that's being mentioned here is in reference to Romo st- stating that QJ hasn't had to understand more than one position as a wide out um moving around from like the slot to x to z he's limited in that way it's not something he had a bunch of experience with at tcu i don't necessarily think that he meant that to say that he can't read the physical playbook i didn't hear that at least that's not what i took from it i think that it's one of those things where we've heard about qj being developed all year long and he's kind of has a little bit of a learning curve because of the limitations of what he was asked to do in college so yeah uh I didn't necessarily take it that way, but I mean, I guess I could understand why you might have heard it.
3: Interesting. I didn't catch that. Um, I do know there have been times where it seemed to me like he was out of position. Hmm. There was a play on a third down. I think it was in the first quarter um, where Keenan ran like a comeback and it looked like Herbert was trying to get Keenan the ball, but QJ ran like a slant or a quick in within like three yards of Keenan on the right side of the field. And you could just tell by the congestion and the spacing that that was not where QJ was supposed to be. Um, And I think Herbert wound up overthrowing the ball or throwing it away because there just wasn't a window to get it to Keenan because of where QJ was. And there have been other times where, you know, they were running um, like a wide receiver, like a pick play where he was supposed to, you know, kind of, close the distance between himself and a corner in the end zone. And he didn't run the route properly. And it kind of gave the corner a chance to come up and make a play. Um, Things like that, where it just seems like he's not like the detail isn't there. So I don't know that he can't read the playbook, but I I do think they're up there. There are times where he is not executing the way they are asking him to execute, whether it's blocking or being a decoy or just where he is on the field based on what they're trying to do with a, with a particular play. Just seems like he's out of, play quite, out of position quite a
0: bit. I agree that I think that he has an issue understanding how things work spatially, because more often than not, as you mentioned, it seems like there is a lot of congestion in certain areas when he runs his routes. Um, he actually has a tendency in certain instances when he's not open to break into areas of the field that I don't think he's supposed to. He just doesn't understand how to work to get open, uh, particularly when he's covered he has a tendency to kind of drift into other players routes path route paths. So it creates less spacing and Herbert ends up trying to fit balls into areas that, you know, can potentially end up being turnovers or um, throws that could result in turnovers. So yeah, QJ has got a lot of growing up to do. I know that he wasn't asked to do a bunch in college, but now we're talking about being more than halfway through a season. I guess you can kind of understand now why, um, they're not leaning on him more heavily unfortunately he's gonna to have to grow up in a hurry now because uh as we saw today in scenarios where keenan goes down because that's very possible it could happen they're lucky lucky to this point to not have had it happen but now down your wide receiver two and three kind of playing russian roulette there so dude's gonna to have to stay in the books like throughout the week getting into practice early maybe you know putting in some extra reps outside at the end of practice with herbert not saying that he's not doing that already but Uh, he's going to have to spend some additional time as much as he possibly can working on his craft because uh, moving forward, like I said before, you're not going to be able to just rely on Keenan Keenan Allen and you can't just rely on him being healthy for the duration of the season. It's a lot to ask of a player of his age at this point in his career.
3: Yeah. Sorry, getting over the flu. Um anyway you know you mentioned earlier that you know you don't know where they would be without keenan and god forbid he should get hurt i think something positive came hopefully from him getting hurt today and that is justin had to trust somebody else um we saw them involve qj a little bit more including in the red zone which i thought was really encouraging uh the drops were kind of hard to watch you can still see the hands being an issue um He's just not physical at the catch point for a guy his size. Um, so some of those, you know, back shoulder catches and the deep balls down the sideline and a tight coverage, uh, some of those plays just aren't. It's not the right time to be throwing those to him because he's just not physical enough at the catch point. But to see them unlock him underneath in the in the um, like the quick slants and the crossers was really encouraging. Seeing them draw up a crucial red zone play for him and having it work was super encouraging and you also see them trying to find ways to get Guyton involved beyond just chucking it deep to him. So forcing Herbert to trust somebody else, having him do that and have success throwing to guys other than Keenan, hopefully it makes this offense a little bit more diverse and it makes them a little bit less predictable and gives Justin the confidence to take his eyes off of Keenan every once in a while and go in a different direction. Because I think that's something that's been holding the offense back at times is he doesn't trust some of these guys, or he's just not sure they're going to be where they're supposed to be. So he's locking in on Keenan, and it's causing problems. And seeing them slowly but surely make some of those plays, I think should help him come away from that, come off Keenan at times. And it's just going to make them that much more dangerous, and it's going to help Keenan get open, because teams won't be able to bracket him and defend him the way they've been defending him at times because he's willing to go to other people. So I think that's a huge thing for this offense. Taking the next step is Keenan got hurt. He missed some time guys stepped up then he was able to come back and help out. But those guys needed, I think they needed to see that they could contribute and step up and Herbert needed to see that they could contribute and step up.
0: Yeah. I'm just hopeful that this wasn't one of those scenarios where he did what he had to do because he didn't have any other choice and that, you know, in the weeks moving forward, he still allows those guys to be a part of um, the game flow. Uh, it's just a lot to ask of one person to carry you offensively, specifically in the passing game. So uh, every touch these guys can get where they can gain some confidence helps. And, yeah, every rep that they can get with Herbert delivering the ball belt, ball helps as well. But the Jalen Guyton situation is a little tricky because he's known for one thing. And then this week we saw him have to be utilized in a different manner because It might just be me but um i don't know if he's fully back or trust that knee he also looks like he's put on a little bit of weight so he doesn't have the deep speed that he had or he's had has been known to have and someone mentioned it before i think uh maybe in the discord about him getting 50 50 balls and i don't necessarily believe that they're throwing 50 50 balls to him i just think Herbert's trying to lead him deep, but he's just not getting behind defenses like he had before. And so he's finding himself covered where he used to be able to get a step on a cornerback or behind the safeties. So as of right now, um, they're going to have to find a way to mix these wide receivers up and maybe ask some of these guys to develop in a way or develop, uh, I'm not going to say necessarily a skill set, but kind of add a little bit more to their game to where they can be more helpful in different areas of the field and not just be kind of niche players Guyton's not going to be able to just be a deep threat guy. Um, He's not showing that he's successful in that regard right now anyway. So he's going to have to be able to, and be willing to, you know, kind of attack the middle of the field, maybe outside to the numbers. And he's not a hands catcher either, but at this point, we just need to be able to move the ball down the field however they can. So the wide receivers are going to have to step up big time, and yet Herbert's going to have to give some of that trust to some guys that maybe he doesn't necessarily feel like he has the most confidence in. But right now, beggars can be choosers.
3: Yeah, you know, I saw some pictures of Guyton this week, and he looks ripped. Like he looks like he's put on some serious muscle mass. And you kind of wonder if that was him in response to getting hurt or if that's something the team asked him to do. Um, but hopefully it didn't take away the one thing that he did, you know, pretty well, which is being a deep threat. Um, Cause that's something they need. And I think that's something they've been waiting for from him. Um, but it's just interesting. It seems like, I mean, he looks like he's built more like a possession receiver now than he is a deep guy. And that's just not his game. Not from a route running perspective, not from a physicality perspective, not from a hands perspective. So it's interesting to see them take that, take that step with him when you think they'd just be excited for him to come back and run a four, two, three and get, get behind the defense.
0: Yeah. Uh, my hope and prayer is that they find a way to get Darius Davis more involved in the offense vertically. Um, it's where the team is suffering right now. And if the guy that you had as your vertical threat is no longer that, then someone has to step up and replace it because, you know, you have to be able to at least threaten the top of the defense. And right now the Chargers are more of a horizontal, horizontal, uh, medium, uh, type intermediate passing game team. And sometimes it can be very tough to watch, but if you want to find some room in the running game, particularly, you're going to have to be able to learn to, or develop the opportunity to threaten the deep part of the field. And I think Darius Davis has that ability. He's just not being utilized in that way.
3: Um, wanted to bring this up and then we can kind of wrap up the offense a little bit. Um, so Casey says, you guys have talked a lot in the past about the team not having identity. Is it crazy to think that maybe it's a deliberate decision in that? Um, what do you think, Craig? Do you think they have an identity? Do you think they maybe have the wrong identity in some situations? What
0: What's your take, especially on offense, about their identity? So uh, I guess if I'm understanding this correctly, what you're saying is they're trying to have more of a chameleon approach. They don't want to be known for doing just one thing in particular. Like they don't want to give their hand, which I mean, if that's the case, then okay. I mean, I understand not wanting to, you know, have teams be, in, be able to come in and find you predictable. I just think that when you're talking about some of these better teams in the league that you have to be able to establish something so that you can use it as a counter against them. Um, if a team kind of knows you for one thing, because it, As much as they don't want to, or as much as people claim that they don't have an actual identity, I think they do. And personally, my feeling is their identity is that they're a finesse team. They want to be able to run outside zone, spread you out. And unfortunately, they want to operate more in the five to seven step drops and push the ball. But. They can't really do it so they adapt during the game and they get maybe a little bit more into the quick game they throw a little bit of power in there but it's also just to kind of loosen you up a bit so they can get back to what they really want to do so ultimately i don't think
1: i'm victoria cash thanks for calling the lucky land hotline if you feel like you do the same thing every day press one if you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes press two more than once, actually. Do
2: I have to say?
3: Yes, you do.
1: In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really?
3: Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
3: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling
1: lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I don't think it's a deliberate thing that they're doing, per se. I just think that they can't do what they want to do, and so they just try to work around it every game if they go into the game, being able to do what they like, they'll stick to it. But if they can't get it going, then they'll just try to throw in a couple of wrinkles here and there to loosen you up. And then if they can get back to what they really want, then they will. Uh, I would say that I appreciate that on the offensive side of the ball. I don't necessarily think that that happens defensively. I think defensively the scheme is the scheme. Um, And I really don't know what to do about that. I don't know what they plan on doing about it, but on the offensive side of the ball, the identity is Justin Herbert, essentially. Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. How do I get the ball to Keenan Allen as many times as humanly possible and let's sprinkle some Austin Eckler in there? Other than that, I don't think that you can say that they're a team that has much of a physical presence in a running game because they don't really have a running game to speak of at all. They just do it to sometimes keep teams honest and because technically you need to be able to run the ball on occasion. And they just want to hand the ball to 10 and let them go deal. And so ultimately, if you want to say what their identity is, to me, it's 10, go win it. And that's pretty much it.
3: Yeah. See, I think um, on offense, particularly with the running game, I think they do have an identity. I think somebody in that building, I don't know if it's Staley. I don't know if it's Moore. I don't know if it's Telesco or Spanos. Somebody really wants them to be an outside zone running, game, running team. And – they they'll run power and they'll have success with it. Then they'll just get away from it. And it seems like they're trying to mimic what McVay and Shanahan do, Mm -hmm. but they just don't do it well enough to mimic what they do, but they're not willing to go away from it. It's been the same. It was the same issue when Lombardi was here as the offensive coordinator. It remains the same issue when with Moore. and this was not really a staple of Moore's offense. One of the things that I liked about Moore's offense before he came over here was that in Dallas they were multifaceted in the running game. They did a little bit of everything and it made them hard to defend and they're not really doing that anymore. So again, I don't know whose call it is. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably Staley since he's, he's the head coach, but, and he's the one cut. Co- well, one of the main constants between Lombardi and more. Um, but it just seems like they'll find something that works and then they'll get away from it. They do it in the passing game. They do it in the running game. And I mean, nothing works on defense unless they're playing the bears and the jets. So it's hard to say that they get away from anything that works. Um, They're just bad, which I guess is probably the best lead in to talking about the defense since we haven't got there yet. So (laughs) what are your thoughts on the defense?
0: All right. So let's start here. Um, I've not been the most vocal about how I feel with regard to Brandon Saley, mostly because, I mean, not to save anyone's feelings about it, because I really don't care. It's just he's the coach of the team, so I try my best not to down him publicly. I might make some jokes here and there, but the truth of the matter is, is it's, it's a wrap for this. As far as the defense is concerned, this week, this is the game we we're all kind of circling to see exactly how the defense would perform because now you're talking about having to play a more physical balanced offense and they wet the bed again. Uh, you're looking at a scenario where Brandon Staley rolls in and thinks that he can play soft off man in zone coverage against a team that can deploy multiple weapons in the passing game for one. Let's talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, the sun God literally baked everyone today, specifically at the second and third uh, levels of the defense And even in the run game, where we thought that they were pretty stout, that got exposed today. And apparently, if a team has a pretty good offensive line, then the charges are going to be toast. This is not the Jets. This is not the Bears. That was fun for two weeks. This week, you ran against a team or came up against a team that was more physical than you at the point of attack. And they were able to move you off of the ball all day. And you couldn't create any pressure to a quarterback who's basically, well, I'm not going to call golf a mobile. He's got decent mobility, but he didn't have to move anywhere all day. He was able to sit in the pocket all day long and basically pick you apart. So defensively, what it boils down to to me is that we have a defensive, quote unquote, mastermind who still hasn't figured out that the scheme has to adapt to the players. If you're playing a lesser offense, then you can get away with doing some of the stuff that you like to do because you just have a better skill set on the defensive side of the ball than the team you're going against. When you're talking about teams like the Lions and other of the top uh, upper echelon teams in the NFL, you're gonna have to use guys to play where they're most effective. Asking Alohi Gilman to be a split half safety is gonna get you cooked. We know that. He's better where he can be disruptive in the middle of the field, um, if he can maybe click and close and diagnosing plays, maybe playing more of a robber as opposed to a split safety deep. Um, if you want to keep him around the box a little bit more, something like that is fine. But asking him to defend space is a mistake. Same as Eric Kendricks. Um, also Kenneth Murray. Same deal. The charges are expecting players who have athletic limitations to go out there and play in a more athletic way against guys who are more athletic than they are. And I just don't understand the rationale behind it. Um, yes, it worked for two weeks, but you have to consider the opponent. And this week, I feel like the Chargers just played how they always do. And Staley just stuck to his guns and essentially uh, did what he feels like worked for two weeks in a row and that it would just continue to. Maybe the guys were getting the scheme. It, you know, they were adapting better. No, they just played lesser competition and it got exposed this week. Couldn't stop the run. You couldn't stop the pass. And ultimately, It's unfortunate but I think the Brandon Staley experiment just needs to be over. They're not going to get rid of him before the end of the season, but I I've seen enough. Uh, we know who he is. We understand what he's capable of, and this is the product that he's put on the field after three years and it's not good enough. So, uh, uh it, it's hard to have confidence in what happens moving forward because I don't know what adjustments can be made or if he's willing to actually make said adjustments, uh, I mean, that's going to require some movement where personnel is concerned, and I don't think that they're willing to do that. You're asking slower, older players at the second level, specifically Eric Kendricks, I'm sorry, but it's true, to do things that he's not capable of doing. You're coming out in base sets against four wide-out situations where uh, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are having to drop into zones, and then you're forcing a three-man rush, and you're not getting home with your four, So what makes you think you're going to get it from your interior defensive linemen who aren't technically pass rushers on the inside? I just don't understand Staley's thought process behind many of these defensive calls and the scheme just, it doesn't work against very, very good offenses.
3: Yeah. You know, you mentioned you have to adjust the scheme to your personnel. I think there's a flip side of that too. You have to adjust the scheme to the opponent and they're just running out there. You know, it's, it's like, it's like we're reliving Gus Bradley just with a different scheme mm. or John Pagano just with a different scheme. It's this is what we do, it may not be working, but this is what we do. They just need to figure it out. Well, maybe it's time for you to figure it out since defense is supposed to be your specialty and you're running the same shit every week. And yeah, you look real good with, you know, Tyson Bajant and and Zach Wilson playing quarterback against you, but you get a halfway competent quarterback or something more than that. And you're toast. And I mean, Ben Johnson had a phenomenal game plan. And he, I mean, he had that defense in a spin cycle in absolutely hell all day long from play one. And it didn't matter if they were running between the tackles, if they were running outside the tackles, Uh, They did a great job with misdirection, with changing directions. Uh, They were just faster than the Chargers defense pretty much as a whole. Um, Their offensive line manhandled the Chargers defensive line the entire game. You've got, you know, Kenneth Murray, who's played well for a stretch this season and, and Kendrick's playing linebacker. And I mean, if there isn't a target, I mean, the, the target on Kendrick's, jersey right now is every week massive it's every week and teams are going after him and he cannot run with anybody and he's still out there it is frustrating and you see these guys taking bad angles uh this defense does not change direction very well they are not overly fast uh they were getting feet to the edge consistently today and you talk about the back end. I mean, you mentioned Alohi Gilman. Look, he was great the last two weeks, but there is a reason he was great the last two weeks. The reason he was great the last two weeks was because they, didn't wor- they weren't worried about anybody throwing the ball over their heads. And he could come downhill and attack everything in front of him. What did they do today? They, they tried to test his eye discipline. The Lions did. They were daring him to come up on underneath routes and throwing the ball over over the top, and he could not adjust. He was getting beat left and right. A lot of that had to do with the fact that they were so effective running the ball on first and second down that they were just killing the Chargers with play action on second and third and short, Um, pulling those safeties down deep, trying to stop the run, getting the ball over the top, Crossers, I mean, you name it. They just picked them apart, and they had Gilman in hell. Um, the whole secondary was compromised today. I mean, it was one chunk play after another. So they were not prepared to play. They did not have the personnel to match up with the Lions, and they just they just whipped the Chargers at every level. Um, that that defense, despite being as highly paid as it is despite having what most people consider two really, you know, borderline elite pass rushers. There is no pass rush for this team when they play against a competent offensive line. None. I mean, not even a little bit. Did they even hit off today?
0: It doesn't seem like it. Well, they definitely didn't sack him. And I don't remember them getting next to any pressure on him whatsoever. He was pretty much clean the entire day. I mean, I think there's a book out on the chargers defensively and I am pretty sure teams are going to take advantage of it moving forward. Those that can, um, if they have the personnel to do it, those shallow crossers, even the deep ones, they can't defend because the second level gets exposed. Um, it's like you mentioned, as far as change of direction is concerned, and also eye discipline, they are fooled by everything on play action but also Kenneth Murray in the middle of the field has no idea when he's in coverage, how to basically he's guarding. If anyone threatens his zone at all, he immediately attaches to them. He doesn't guard his space properly. And when you're at the second level, I know that some people feel that you should guard a man, not an area. Well, no, no, you have to guard your area first, but he's going to where his help is. He's not staying in his zone and allowing his help to be his help. He's vacating his zone as soon as anyone threatens him and he's leaving a humongous gap. And the Detroit Lions took advantage of that all day because he would veer too far over outside of his specific zone. And then Amin Ross St. Brown or whomever would come right behind it and it would force Elohi Gilman to have to chase. And if Alohi Gilman is in a chasing position, you're going to lose every single time. And not having someone that has good change of direction at the second level is like candy to a kid. um, When you're talking about a team that likes to run a bunch of play action, because you can run those crosses behind that all day. Because if he takes a false step, he's completely out of the play, can't recover. And that's a problem for both of your inside linebackers. But you continue to trap them both out there and expect them to at some point be better about it. I don't understand what the logic is there. But again, I do think the book is out for the Chargers with regard to just if you want to attack them in just that one way, if you can establish any sort of run game against them, that's going to be open all day long.
3: Yeah, there, there are a lot of problems on that defense, and the back end is really alarming to me. I mean, Derwin is really struggling. Um, Alohi is basically you know a poor man's version of Derwin in terms of his skill sets and the things that he does well.
0: Um, was Marlow on the field much today? I don't remember seeing him a whole lot. So that's the funny part. You asked that, and I thought about it during the game, and I meant to go look it up to see how many snaps he had, if at all, um, and I didn't get a chance to do it. I don't feel like I saw Marlo whatsoever in the game at all. And if he didn't play, that is a huge mistake. And also, if he did, I'm not sure how they deployed him because Marlo was really good for the snaps that he's taken throughout the season at, at being your deep safety and stopping those bigger plays from happening up top. Um, where I think... Again, a lot of uh, where the charges were beat were across the middle of the field and making guys have to run and chase after you, you know, basically taking bad angles and having poor eye discipline. But uh, Marlo, I don't know. I, I don't think that I saw Marlo play any snaps. He may have, but I missed him if he did. Yeah, he, he certainly,
3: I mean, the good thing about Marlo is when he's on the field, he kind of just blends in and you don't see a lot of him. So it's possible that that was the case. But it just seemed like it just seemed like Gilman was constantly chasing people today. Um, yeah. It just, to me, it just seemed like they were attacking him and he was a couple steps behind on every single crosser. They ran at any level. It was pretty frustrating to watch. So we've lit up the defense at this point. What, what would you do at this point to try to breathe some life into the defense or
0: or fix things for the rest of the season?
3: Or is there anything they can do?
0: Uh, there's one thing that I feel they could do, but I don't think will happen. I think it's time for uh, Brandon Staley to hand the defensive play calling over to Derek. Ainsley. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm
2: going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family
3: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
0: Uh, Apparently there's too much going on for him to have to handle. Outside of just the defensive calls, as far as just managing the in-game stuff, this is just more questionable things happening. When you're looking at that third and 14 call, situationally, you call a timeout, you go in and you discuss what your options are. You come out and the decision somehow after you've had some time to think about it is that you're going to rush four and play soft off. I don't know if it was man or zone. Don't remember right now, but you're just going to essentially play at the sticks and allow a team that's shown you that you can't get to them with four and the quarterback that's diced you up all day to basically get the ball into his playmakers hands. And if they get anywhere near the first down marker, they've already gone for it against you four times before to that point. What made you believe that they were just going to go for three there, especially since you've been marching up and down the field on them offensively. Why would they take three and allow you to potentially go get seven and win the game? Nothing about that makes sense. So for me, I think there has to be some level of brain trust associated between both he and um, Ainsley. And I don't know whether there is or not, but making that call, or making defensive calls throughout the game based on situation, maybe you need to take that out of Brandon Staley's hands. If he wants to have some input, fine, but let Ainsley have a crack at it. I can't imagine it's going to be much worse because right now just game management. And as far as, you know, all of the things that go along with that, but also calling defense, it just feels like it's too much for Staley to have to handle. Um, If they don't do that, I don't know what else you can change because Staley hasn't proven that he's able to basically take the reins and, be able to manage all of the things that he's responsible for right now. So maybe taking something off of his plate is an option.
3: Yeah. You know, I I like the idea of giving Ainsley some play calling responsibilities or maybe giving him all the play calling responsibilities. I think, um, I think we need to see more of Dion Henley on the field. You know, I thought we'd see a lot of him on third down this season. It hasn't panned out that way. Um, I just think they have to get Kendricks off the field. I mean, I know he's a veteran and they're waiting for him to figure it out and step up, but you know, he wasn't very good last year. He's playing at least a step, maybe a step and a half, two steps too slow right now. He can't cover anybody. He's really not impacting the defense at all. Um, I think from an athleticism standpoint, you're probably better even with the inexperience with Murray and Henley at linebacker. uh, I think we've seen enough of Michael Davis at this point. I don't know what's going on with him, um, but he's just, he has not been very good this year. He's struggling even with the press man coverage, which is supposed to be his strength. Uh, I think we need to see it's, it's time to see more of Dean Leonard. I think at corner, maybe more, more of a heavy rotation, rotating them for a couple series at a time, just to see what Leonard looks like um, and see if there's anything there moving forward. Um Yeah. But other than that, I mean, more Marlowe on the field, I think for sure, they're just better with him playing deep. In my opinion, I know they like Gilman and I know he played well the last two weeks, but I think teams that can actually throw the football are really able to compromise him and put him in difficult situations. And I don't think he's a long-term answer and I don't think he's somebody they should be committed to at this point. Um, So I I think that's something to examine too, maybe playing some more three safety looks so they can play Gilman down on the box at times. You know, I'm not really sure what the answer is, but they need to figure out something at safety because they're, they're really limited right now. And between being limited with, with uh, Gilman and being limited at linebacker, they've got some issues they have to address.
0: Yeah. I think, I don't think Davis played very much today. I think he played a few plays and then went out sick or something for the remainder of the game. And um, Dean Leonard ended up getting, uh, I think the majority of the run for the rest of the game. He had some pretty good plays here or there, of course, you know, by not being one of the main guys that sees action, he did kind of get you know a little toasted here and there a few times, but it's to be expected. He's not um, a regular as far as your DBs are concerned. But uh, at this point, <sighs> I don't think it makes very much sense for a rotation to be the thing because we saw how that worked out with jc jackson you're probably going to get complaints about that and this is davis's probably it's probably davis's last year as a charger anyway it just feels like staley's going to ride or die with the guys that he's been with to this point and he's just going to if he's going to captain the ship and it's going to sink he's he's going to go with the guys that got him where he is Uh, it's unfortunate because when you talk about a reset, and that's the term that keeps being used, uh I don't see what really was reset. You just so happen to catch a couple of bad teams and you beat them the way that you should. And I think they took that for granted. Um, essentially assume that because what they did specifically defensively worked for two weeks against two anemic offenses. I mean, I'm talking about the Bears who just had what, 295 total yards against the Carolina Panthers and the Jets, the last time I checked in the game they're playing right now, I had about 231 against the Raiders. I mean, they're not putting up points or yardage against anyone. So that goes to show you just how anemic those offensive uh, offenses were and that the Chargers, maybe we were given a little bit of fool's goal there. And it's unfortunate because... In those games, they played some dominant football and you saw guys making plays all over the field and it led you to believe that maybe they were onto something, but there was a very real correlation between the level of competition they were playing in that performance. And now we're just seeing it for what it is. Uh, Where the changes are concerned outside of just Ainsley calling plays, I think we've all been screaming for more Deion Henley now Uh, because where they seem to me to be the most vulnerable is at the second level. And if they can get someone who can defend the pass, which is what his specialty is at this point in time, mm-hmm. him being the more athletic, even more so uh, than uh, Murray. I mean, Murray's, you go look at those RAS scores and saw that he ran a 4 540 and all that's great, but he's terrible with change of direction. Henley is a very fluid athlete. Uh, give that guy an opportunity to show what he can do and it could help to cover up for some of those deficiencies on the back end. Maybe it helps you with Having the quarterback hold the ball a ticket too long on some of those crosses because that window doesn't open up fast um, as quickly. And so you don't have <laughs> Alohi Gilman chasing wide receivers from behind. And instead, it gives you that additional second for your pass rushes to maybe get home. Um, as far as anything else goes, one of the other issues that I feel like the Chargers have that I don't know that they can do anything about this season is the lack of interior presence uh, from a pressure perspective. Everything that they want to happen is coming from their edge rushers, whether it's running them on twists to get pressure up the middle, which is great when it works. But, I mean, if you can't just line up with four defensive linemen, which is what Staley wants to do and affect the quarterback in the place that they hate the most, which is right up the gut, then you're asking a lot from your edge rushers to win more often than not, especially against some of the premier tackles in this league. They need an interior defensive presence badly. And right now they don't have a real disruptor. Those guys have played pretty well against the run, but they're not putting pressure in guys' face up the middle. And, I mean, it's another way that you could possibly use a day on Henley if you want to have to add a rusher to the mix, because I think that's what you're going to have to do if you want to generate some more pressure. But it's whether or not Staley's going to be willing to get out of his way, his own way, and basically stop bumping his head against the wall, man. You're going to have to mix it up a bit. And if you're going to go down with the ship, go down swinging. But if he's just going to stay the same, then expect more of the same for the remainder of the season. We're just going to have to all ride it out.
3: Yeah. So, do you think the Chargers fire Staley at the end of the year?
0: Uh, I do. Uh, I don't. I don't see if it get, I don't see. It get, I, I don't see it getting turned around, um, especially if they don't make the playoffs. And at this point. I mean, we're talking about five losses and I'm looking at the schedule and the type of team that they're going to have to play because see this physicality that they dealt with today? There's more of that on the way um, at least two to three more times. And if they're not able to stand up against that and if Herbert can't put on the cape every single game, then they won't make the playoffs. And I don't know how you can excuse Brandon Staley for another year.
3: Yeah, I think my only hesitation, well, there are two. One is – they just don't normally fire coaches before their contract is up. And this is year three. So history suggests that he probably will be back. Um, Two is they started two and four. If they wind up winning nine games, even if they don't make the playoffs, I could see them convincing themselves that he turned it around and deserves to be back. Now, having said that, and I've seen a lot of talk about this in the chat tonight. There's been a lot of talk about Harbaugh. Uh, a lot of talk about Harbaugh in the chat. And I don't know if all of you are aware. Um, I know some of you here are in the in the Discord and you've been with us on the shows before. But there have <coughs> been talks with Harbaugh. We know this. And we know that he has expressed an interest in returning to the NFL. He said he's willing to move to L.A. And there seems to be a mutual interest there will that will that happen who knows but it seems like they're at least exploring experienced head coaches and they had this talk as early as week two with harbaugh so i do think it's a possibility i think it's something that they're they're realizing that they're losing footing in la and i think they need to be taken seriously um and staley is hurting them in that regard so I think it's a possibility. Do I think they do I think they fire Staley? I think the odds are increasing. But I still think they need they would need to have a losing record to end the season. Probably a significant losing record to fire him. Like maybe double digit losses.
0: So here's the thing about that. The fact that they were willing to start those conversations and have loose talks with Harbaugh just after week two tells me a bunch uh, that says that you're hedging your bet already two weeks into the season is really wild to me. Um, we're not even talking about a quarter of the way through literally week two having those talks means that it's something that they're considering strongly and that they know that you're probably not going to be able to bank on this being successful. Um, if you're talking about Brandon Staley getting through this year and them getting to nine wins. Okay. Great. But at some point, the uh, span and I are going to have to take a step back and look at the schedule the same way that we are able to and look at the level of competition. If you close out your year and you're playing some subpar uh, teams that are maybe on the brink themselves, or actually have no opportunity to make the playoffs and you beat up on them. OK, great. You can beat bad teams, but you can't compete against the good ones. And once again, it feels like year by year they're starting to understand, or at least come to the conclusion that in order to be competitive, they're gonna have to do some things out of the ordinary that they haven't typically done. Um, When you're talking about adding some more of these higher level players at Stanley's request, of course, that's not something we've seen the Chargers do a ton of the JC Jackson swing and miss didn't work out, but that's not something the Chargers would have done in the past. And I've said this now for a, a bit, i'm encouraged by the fact that they do seem to be doing things a bit out of the norm so yeah they typically don't let the coaches go before the end of the contracts but at this point with all of the talk surrounding staley the fact that he's continuously being embarrassed at the thing that he's supposed to be the best at uh i don't know how you can just allow that or essentially explain it away or back it up for another year without feeling like you're going to lose fan support i mean there are the fans out there that you know they bleed powder blue, and no matter what the Chargers do, they're gonna be down for it, and they'll never like they'll, they'll excuse it away, they'll be apologists. That'll be their thing. Great, but if we're talking about being a larger market now, and also trying to have a foothold in LA, then you're gonna have to make some big swings, and hardball would be one of the biggest swings you could make, and I I don't think that it's that far out of uh, you know, the realm of possibility. They'd be willing to do it. Um, Now, I know some people I actually just saw in the chat are asking about fodder and Telesco. I wouldn't be surprised if Telesco sticks around if they can get a hardball, because I don't believe that Telesco honestly does much more than be a middleman. Um, I know a lot of people like to place blame at him for the players that the team gets, but Telesco works very closely with the coaches to get the types of players that they want. So essentially, he just serves as a conduit between head coach, John Spanos, and the rest of Upper management ownership just kind of does his thing there in the middle, and he's also there to take bullets for the span eye if necessary. And it's kind of hard to find a guy that'll hold the water like that and be willing to do it for over a decade. So, that level of job security comes for a reason, but uh, I, I don't know ultimately. I could see them making a move for an established head coach. I know a lot of people out there want Ben Johnson, but I don't know why anyone else wants another first time head coach. We see how that works. And it's not to say that a guy like Ben Johnson wouldn't be a great head coach, but what tells you that they won't try to basically neuter him the same way they've done a lot of these other first time coaches as well. So got to keep um, take that into consideration.
3: Yeah, you must have read my mind. I think that's a perfect lead-in because you were talking about firing Telesco if they hire Harbaugh. I don't think that's a necessity or a reality. I think you put it perfectly. Harbaugh or uh, Telesco is there, in my opinion, to buffer between Spanos and the head coaches, and he is there to carry out the head coach's vision. Now, do I think he should get to be participate in potentially hiring a fourth coach? No, I don't. I think if they hire Harbaugh, they should fire T- Telesco. But I think I think because Telesco is mainly there to carry out the head coach's vision, and because I don't think he has as much say in the players as people think he does, I could easily see Harbaugh being okay with keeping Telesco. Because... If he's just there to go get the players that Harbaugh wants, then why would Harbaugh want to fire him? Um, and Harbaugh's going to need a buffer between him and John. So I, I think there's, there's some value there to keeping Telesco on, at least in Harbaugh's eyes. Would I do it? No, I would fire him. Uh, I would have already fired
0: him, but I'd be okay with firing him at this point, too. Uh, Here's the thing Do you really think the Spanos want to deal with Jim Harbaugh directly?
3: I don't think anybody does.
0: No. He's like, you know, he rubs people along the way. Give them about a year and everyone will hate him. He gets results, but he does it his way. He can be a bit of a curmudgeon. And that won't fly well with John. I'm sure that that would be a problem. So, no, they definitely need someone to play middleman between the two of them. And, again, you kind of had a guy that's been there for over a decade doing it already. So why have to break in someone new? Yeah, I agree. I just think there's
3: John's gonna need somebody to protect him from Harbaugh if they hire him. And I think Telesco is the the crash test dummy in that situation. <laughs> um so moving on, let's get a couple more comments here and then we'll wrap this up. Um I saw one that I wanted to grab. Um Well, one question that I saw, and I forget who posted it, was would you prefer – would we prefer Belichick or Harbaugh? So, Craig, if you were hiring the next head coach,
0: would you prefer Belichick or Harbaugh? I'll take Harbaugh just because, I mean, I haven't seen the Belichick way work other than with Tom Brady. And that is a very different way to go about running a team in an organization. You probably also – absolutely have to step away and allow him to, I mean, he's not the best at picking players, but he may want to be able to have that level of say-so to come to another team and leave New England. Uh, And again, the Belichick way doesn't seem to work without, well, I mean, it's proven to work in one place and it's not to say that it won't work or wouldn't work anywhere else. Just, I don't know. It's just something about the way that he goes about doing things that, I don't feel like we'll work in LA per se.
3: So I, I would take Harbaugh because I'm I think we've seen some things from Belichick the last few years that suggest that maybe even though I'm sure he, he was a large part in the secret sauce in New England, he just had a generational quarterback. As much as we all hate Brady, I think we can all agree the guy was a generational talent and he's Arguably the best quarterback in the history of the league. Um, definitely the best if you go off of wins and Super Bowl wins. So um, I I would not take Belichick in his 70s. I think let somebody else deal with that mess. I just I don't know how that works, but I would take Harbaugh. In fact, Harbaugh was the guy that I wanted to hire the last coaching cycle um, when they hired Staley. He was my number one. I didn't think they would do it, but he was the guy that I wanted. Um, and I think there are some things there, you know, we talked about them possibly keeping Telesco if they hire Harbaugh, I think you could make a valid point that, that, that it's likely that they would keep more if they hire Harbaugh. And I think it goes a little something like this. I think if you look at the situation with more, he's had at best mixed results to the first nine games of his first season at Chargers head co- as Chargers offensive coordinator. Um, I would assume that he probably wants to be a head coach at some point and he's not getting hired as a head coach he has not yet and i would not think he's going to based on the first nine games as offensive coordinator now that could change but based on what we've seen so far i don't think he's getting hired as an offense as a head coach so with that being said what's the best way to elevate your stock as a head coach play for a guy who's won, who you know is going to win and I think if you also look at at it long-term and you say, okay, well, Harbaugh's a guy who probably is only going to be here for five or six years before he burns his bridges and has to move on. So if you're more and you're looking at it and you're saying, well, I'd, I'd love to keep working with, with Herbert and I know we're going to win if Harbaugh is the head coach and he's probably going to give me free reign with the offense. And if we win, I'm looking at a head coaching job within a year and if not, in four or five years, I could arguably, arguably be looking at a head coaching job, depending on how things are going down the line with Harbaugh. So I think there are arguments that you could make for him staying, and it could either work out for him as a head coach with the Chargers, or it could work out with him as a head coach for somebody else as soon as 2025. So I think they could retain Telesco if that's something they're motivated to do. I think they, they could retain more if that's something they're motivated to do. and I think it could, it could work out in a lot of ways. So I, I don't think that's an unrealistic argument or point for bringing in Harbaugh, but I, I would hire him. I just think, you know, he's going to win. The guy's won what 70 plus percent of his games as an NFL head coach. He he's won he at every level of football that he's coached at. Yeah. So I, I know people don't like the guy. They think he's weird. They think he's a bully. Uh, most successful football coaches are bullies and egomaniacs. You have to be a cheater
0: now too, by the way.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I'd be open to it. I think it would be successful. And I think it's, I think it's good for the team. So if they do it, I would love it. We, we shall see if it happens.
0: Yeah.
3: And like this point says here, I'm sorry. I'm not going to try to pronounce your name because I will bully it. I'll butcher it. But they would actually win in the trenches with John Harbaugh because that's his staple. They would run the ball well. They would stop the run, and they'd get to the quarterback. So that then that in and of itself is a
0: reason to bring Harbaugh in, in my opinion. All all of football, football is actually not that complicated. It's not as complicated as people want it to be. The basis of the game has been the same for years. Certain elements of it have changed because of the rules. So it lends more to like the air raid style and it's more of uh, leaning towards offense. But the fact of the matter is, is if you've got a dominant trench game and you're able to attack the quarterback, then you're going to be a successful team more often than you won't. Um, you can even get by with a less than high level quarterback. See what the 49ers are doing. There's a reason why teams like that succeed more often than not. If you go look at the core of them and what they do well, it's pretty much all the same. They control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They're able to run the ball, and they have a quarterback that can at least manage the game. Harbaugh has proven at basically every level that that, uh, that philosophy flies everywhere you go. And the difference between, I say this all the time, the difference between college and the NFL is you can win a bunch of games in college off of talent. NFL, the cream of the crop comes down to, yes, having great talent, but also great coaching to back it up. And the more that you slack on coaching, the more you want to be cheap in regards to your coaches. The less, I think you should expect to be successful. So bringing Harbaugh in would, you know, be music to my ears. He was one of the guys that I was on board with getting last year. I mean, I was a Brian Dayball guy too, just because I saw what he did with Allen and Buffalo. But I mean, if you had, if you were giving me an option between whether we could get Brian Dayball or Jim Harbaugh, I would have picked Harbaugh just because I want an experienced head coach and he's done it before. So there's that.
3: Let's grab this and then we'll call it a We'll, we'll wrap things up here. Um, Benson James says, if Staley's out, Kellen should be in as head coach. Herbert doesn't have to learn a whole different system again. Um, I hope you're talking about on an interim basis this year. Like if they fire Staley during the season, Kellen should be in as, the, as an interim head coach. I do not think we've seen anything from Kellen that suggests he should be the, the head coach on a full-time basis if Staley gets fired. I... I don't think that makes sense at all. I understand wanting to keep the system the same for Herbert. I think there's validity to that argument, but I think you bring in an experienced head coach who's maybe willing to retain Kellen. I'm not sure Kellen's going to get a head coaching job anywhere else. And I wouldn't be in a rush to give him one. I would want to see more out of his system with Herbert um, before I did that. And I'm kind of 50, 50 on even if I even want to see that at this point. So interim is one thing. But making him the head coach for the next four years, like Craig said, I don't think they have the infrastructure to support a first-time head coach. I think they've proven they don't. And I'm not sure Kellen is the kind of leader
0: that's going to be successful at this point as a head coach. Uh, Just to piggyback off that, I've said it a bunch of times. I hadn't actually watched a lot of Kellen Moore just say pressers before he arrived. And the more I pay attention to him, the more green he seems like he just doesn't come off as a I mean, this is going to sound cliche, quote unquote, leader of men. But I I know that that's not always necessary, but just something about him. It doesn't really ignite you. It doesn't make you feel like, okay, that's a guy that the players are going to want to run through a wall for. or He's going to instill the type of discipline um, that the team would need because they are still a very undisciplined unit. And I don't get that impression that he's that type of guy. And by the way, if they fired more, the playbook's gonna be what it is. That's not changing. Those plays are gonna be what they are, and that's what they're going to run. They're not going to change the system as a whole. But yeah, if they were going to, you know, let him have a turn at being the interim coach if they got rid of Staley, that's one thing. I'm not sure how that goes long term for the remainder of the season, should I say. But um, yeah. If you're talking about firing him and then rolling kellen and uh, kellen moore basically elevating up to that head coaching position i he doesn't strike me as one of those guys that can get it done um and personally i think he needs to kind of cook for a few more years and give himself an opportunity to learn and become more of that leader because i don't get that vibe from him at all
3: i said we were done after this one let's go with one more because i think it's it's an interesting discussion um so Chorizo Compapa says the problem is that Herbert is the only appeal we have to offer coaches. No cap, basic draft capital, aging veterans, few young proven bright stars at key positions. So, um the cap I think is not going to be an issue. Um teams always solve their cap problems. The Chargers solve their cap's problems this off-season. They're going to solve it again next off-season. It's going to happen with some cuts. Cuts that need to happen. Um, I think you're more than likely looking at Mike Williams being cut because I don't think there's any way they can move on from Keenan at this point and you just can't keep paying Mike what they're paying him. Uh, I think you're going to lose one of, if not both, Mac and Bosa. We've talked about this before. I could see Mac being gone as a cut. I could potentially see Joey retiring. I'm not sure how much more he has left to prove. The injuries are adding up. Uh, I could just see him wanting to move on and being done with football. Uh, And that right there pretty much solves most of the cap problems. So I think the cap is something they can address basic draft capital. Maybe they make a couple trades, trade a couple other stars and add some draft picks. Um, But I think Herbert is a pretty significant draw. You start with Herbert and Allen, you know, you've got Thule. um, Derwin, I'm sure some, I'm sure coaches are going to be excited about coaching Derwin especially a defensive guy like Harbaugh. Um, so I, I think they have pieces that they can draw a proven head coach. Um, they're going to have to make some changes. I think we all knew that going into the season. There are going to have to be some changes to the roster, but that happens with everybody at some point. It's, it's just time to reset the roster and start fresh and get younger and
0: faster because this team is just not fast enough. Yep, that was proven today. They do lack team speed still somehow after all this time, unfortunately. But in uh, Ed McGuire, I trust with regards to uh, getting everything situated cap-wise, uh, just to kind of uh, echo where Jamie mentioned. I think they'll get it situated this offseason. Um, it's going to have to come through some cuts, maybe some more potential restructures on guys. But when you're talking about high-level players, like essentially, especially when we're talking about offensive coaches. They get googly eyes when they see a potential elite quarterback, a top of the league guy like a Herbert, because they feel like they can basically meld what they want to do offensively around that. And if they have a vision and players that are currently in place that can make that system work, which by the way, I know how we all feel about the Chargers offensive line, Jamari Sawyer and Zion are still Very good interior. Well, they have the potential to be very good interior offensive linemen. They have the skill set to do it. And I feel like under the right coaching staff, they can be molded to be such. They're going to have to look for a center replacement. Don't know what's going on with Corey Lindsley. But even if he comes back, they're still going to have to take care of that. And then you've got, of course, Rashawn Slater at left tackle. There are more pieces there than you think. That would be attractive to a coach coming in, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And you mentioned Derwin James is like the heartbeat of the defense, along with Tuli, who is performing above what a lot of people's expectations were a pass rusher. So we're talking about quarterback um, guys that could potentially get it done in the interior offensive line, a left tackle, which is also a franchise must have and um, a great. Again, I think I mentioned Tuli already as a pass rusher, but also Derwin James, who, if used properly, is still a top of the league safety if you're asking him to do the things that he does well. So there are more pieces that I think are attractive than what maybe um, you think there are. And honestly and truly, depending on the type of head coach that comes in, some of these guys are ideal for those types of schemes.
3: Saw this, had to throw it up there. What do you think about him talking about your mom, Craig? <laughs>
0: what is, what is, what is, hold oh, I don't know I mean cool I guess yeah.
3: alright everybody thanks for tuning in tonight I hope you enjoyed the show hopefully we um, gave you some stuff to think about and took your mind off of a disappointing loss maybe some therapy uh, I know we enjoyed it remember more shows coming your way this week um, we've got the mailbag the round table on Tuesday Garrett's got score more on Wednesday. I've got uh, another walkthrough for Thursday and Craig's got, I got five on it on Friday. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks for supporting. If you haven't already done so, make sure you go um, like and subscribe on YouTube and uh, we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Salute.